Who's your favorite Power Ranger? Sabretooth Tiger. <laughs> Easy. Like, <laughs> I didn't think you'd have an answer to that. <laughs> well, you know. Do you watch Power Rangers? I watched a couple things when I was a kid because my mom, I mean, she wouldn't actually want us to watch it, but I would like watch it on the down low when she wasn't like, you know, paying attention or when my dad was talking about like uh, Star Trek or something. So I just like kind of like watched it in the background. I was like, oh, dad, that's so good. That's so good. But then I got older and now all I have is the memories. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that's it. so sad. I love it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the MGC Podcast. Today, we're talking with... I'm Amanda, Amanda Matei, and I did speak this past week, so that's why I'm here. You sound like you're rapping. I mean, I guess so. My name is Amanda Matei. (laughs) I speak in rhythms when I'm like, you know, not sure what to say. (laughs) On today's episode, we are going to be answering the question, what does it mean to live a good life? How is it that Paul, at the end of his life, despite all his hardships, could be content? Well, stay with us and we'll answer that question for you. Let's dig in. When things are mundane, are we actually still on fire for God? And for me, I am constantly disappointed in myself because I find in the highs, I'm so on fire for God. But then once I come off the peak of the mountain, I start to fall away, which is all a part of life. But oftentimes I see it as like, listen, you've you've had this cycle so many times and you are on this emotional just roll like roller coaster i'm so happy i'm so into god right now but then once that fall off nothing's changed at the end of his life paul is in prison and he has suffered a lot why is it that he is content despite all his losses? That's a really good question because recently I've heard the perspective of like, Paul actually never did get to talk to Caesar. Like his whole thing was like, I'm going to go to Caesar. God's telling me to go to Caesar, to the emperor and talk to him. Like I've got to see the emperor, but he never did. Like, just that idea, like, did he ever see the emperor? And if he never did, like, he didn't actually fulfill his last mission from God. But I don't think that's what it, that's not what it comes down to. Like, it's why is he content after nothing except his, like, his relationship with God has really gone right, you know? But I think the biggest way I could answer that is that the only thing that he really cared about was that relationship with God. If that's all you focus on, if all you focus on is like my relationship with God, I have to make sure that this is the only thing I'm looking at. For Paul, once he crossed that line, he had lived a good life. He had made it to the finish line where he felt content with God. Like he felt like his relationship with God was in a good place. And that's, that's why I would be content. If you knew I've lived my life and God is proud of me, that's all that that's all you need 
And that's all that Paul needed. What does it mean to live a good life? How is it different from how most other people define a good life? Good life is all up to your own interpretation. By meaning that, it means what do you define as a good life? Like, what is it that in your existence that you would put so much focus on that if you just were able to do it, if you were able to meet your goals, you would live a good life? For a lot of people, living a good life is like, I'm going to get married. Like a lot for a lot for a lot of kids my age, it's like, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids, whatever. And like right now, if they were able to do all those things right now, they would think I've lived my life well. Like I've done all the things I meant to do. And I made the right choices in doing those things. But then you get into the idea of, well, are those things actually stuff I should strive for? And I would say that yes, in in the broader view, like, of course, you have to strive to, to, to live life right. You have to strive to get a good education and to find the right person to spend the rest of your life with and all that. But oftentimes when we think of living a good life, having that relationship with God and really being able to have him work through you is something that's kind of left out. Most people's goals don't revolve around, I'm going to really let God I'm going to really accept God today. You know, that's not really a something I, it's not a, a desire I hear all the time. And when you're talking about New Year's resolutions, it's mostly like, I'm going to get fit or I'm going to read, you know, a million books this year. Or I'm going to do this, you know, instead of this year, I'm going to draw closer to God. And this is not like, I mean, everyone has this problem because it's so easy to get distracted, you know, but living a good life, I think the, the right way to define a good life is a life lived with God. And it's true, like, once you live that life with God, you don't have regrets, which in some ways is what makes it a good life, you know? Because if you ask somebody, like, well, have you lived a good life? And it's not, you know, based around that idea of a relationship with Jesus, people will look back on their life and see all the things that they did wrong, all the things that didn't go well in their pursuit of the girl or the job or the diploma, you know, they'll see all the things that didn't work out and say, well, you know, it was, it's going fine, but there are still, there's so many things that you wish you could relive. Everyone wants that 10 second back button, but that's when you're focusing on things other than God. And with God behind you, you don't have to look back and say, "Mm, did I make the right decision? Because you know that no matter if you did or you didn't, God is going to work through you. You have to accept him, follow his, like, follow his way. That's the thing. If you're following what he's saying, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter if in that moment you feel, well, I don't know, that there was that weird thing that happened. If you are listening to God's voice, then you don't have to worry about the outcome of your decision, the outcome of all of that, that's, that's for God. That's for God to work out. You know, you are literally just his messenger. And I think that that, I mean, that's such a, that's such an amazing way to live in general, you know, because to live a life, not looking back, just looking forward, actually looking up towards heaven. That's what I think it means really to live a good life. What do you think are the greatest barriers to building a relationship with God? I think what you just recently said about time is a big one of that. Um, We often see ourselves as too busy to listen to God or to have a relationship with God. 
And we even in ourselves realize that that's a bad excuse, but we say it anyway because it, it at the moment it feels true. It's so easy to let the overwhelming like mountains of things that we think we have to do really just cloud our memory, uh, cloud our perspective of how the world actually is. And then again, other than just having lots of time, it does come back to that. There's always time for God. That's the truth. Um, there's always a time where instead of just sitting and watching the water boil, you could be praying. You could be reading the Bible, but, you know, instead you're just watching the water boil. Take time with God during the lulls. You know, instead of sitting in silence when there's just nothing happening. When you're waiting in the waiting room, you could be praying. You could be at least just thinking about God, but oftentimes we're just either thinking about nothing, just sitting there in a stupor, or like thinking about all the other things we have to do. I mean, that takes a lot of discipline in just your own mind to have it so that your brain just goes to God in those moments. Because, I mean, me, when I, when there's a moment of lull like that, part of me just wants to sit there in silence and just relax. But I think the I, the relationship with God aspect gives such such a peace that's worth a million hours of relaxation. And there's distractions too. Like that's a big thing that I think gets in the way. God's voice is, is almost always talking. He's almost always telling you, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. But it's so often over... It's just so much softer. It's so much more gentle than all the voices of everything else that's happening around us. Like the stress, obviously the stress. I almost constantly have this like this feeling in my head, like, okay, what do I have to do today? What do I have to do? Do I have to do this? What's the exact amount of time? Like, can I can I go to bed before ten o'clock and still have like you know everything done? And I and in that moment where I'm so stressed and I'm thinking about everything, God's voice in the background being like, it's gonna be okay. Hey, could you do this? Could you like talk to this person? I don't hear it. I'm so busy thinking about other things. How disappointing is that for God? Like, I just, I constantly, like, think back on my day, and I just want to apologize to him because, I mean, he's so giving. He's so giving. And I'm me, I just, I'm constantly thinking about other things, other things, other things, other things, when all he wants to do is just talk to me. He's just giving me advice, you know? But I'm too busy to listen to, like, the most powerful, wise, loving being in the universe. Like, how... I'm so silly. That's the truth. But when when we are able to stop ourselves from being distracted and God, we are actually able to to hear what he wants us to do. That's that's when it's it's up to us. There's at that point when you have listened to God, the distractions, listening to distractions is then splitting away. Once you hear what God wants you to do, like that's the ultimatum, you know, it's just actually making the effort to, to go for that. How do you go through the process of sacrificing your goals and ambitions for the sake of cultivating a relationship with God? The way that we think of sacrificing goals and ambitions is just throwing them in a garbage. That's the way that we think about sacrificing goals and ambitions. But Really, what I think of it is you make God your first goal and ambition, and you make him your most important goal and ambition. Um, I'm constantly shocked at how mo- like productive I am when I make God first. 
because that's that's almost you're giving it away you're giving all the other things that you may might have made your goal and ambition before him you're giving them to him and saying okay god i'm gonna let give you control for a second i'm gonna invite you into my life this morning and he gives you the strength in that moment to get done with everything else you need to do he gives you the strength God makes us stronger people, and by making us stronger people, he makes us more reliable, more, um, he makes us quicker, makes us more diligent, and that's what I think it means to sacrifice your goals and ambitions, because it's, you're almost just giving them to God and saying, God, you're my number one priority. These other things matter to me. That's the truth. I need to have these things, because that's just, that's just how it is, but I'm letting you make those things happen. It's all in God's timing. You know, I'm going to continue to work hard. I'm going to continue to to act in a way that would help help me in in anything. I'm going to continue to be a, a good parent, a good worker, a good student, all those things. But as far as actually making them happen, that's that's up to God. How do you decipher God's voice in the middle of all the white noise? Another good question. It's hard. It's so hard because, you know, we're so used to ignoring, I think, or so used to focusing in on the white noise that to actually focus on God, we don't really know what to do. Because I've actually been thinking about that. What is God's, what, what does it mean? What does God's voice even sound like? You know, when I'm trying to listen to him, how do I know what he's saying? And this sounds weird, but he really just, he's just talking. And you just have to listen. Just say a prayer. Say, God, okay, I just, I want to hear your voice. Talk to me. And I want to, I want to, I'm going to really try and hear it. I want to, I want to so bad. And it's, it's crazy. I can't, I can't explain it. But you almost just, it's, when I, when I asked him, he was like, okay, all right, let's do this. And I, that's when I really realized, I was like, he's right there. He's right there. The Holy Spirit is right there. He's talking to me. Once I told God and I said, God, my priority is you. And I, and in order to do that, I need to hear your voice. It was kind of crazy because I, I did, you know, and it wasn't like a booming voice in the back of my head, but it was really just like when you're thinking about taking cookies from the cookie jar, you almost hear that voice in your head saying, don't do it, that's a bad idea. It's not in words, but you can just feel that. That's what I felt when I asked God, it was like, okay, I want, I want to hear you. I want to hear what you're telling me. I just felt, I felt his voice saying, okay, okay. And I knew, <laughs> he, he, he was sort of like, well, all right, but do you really? Because it's so easy to, to say that, but do you actually really want to hear his voice? Because that means you have to, <laughs> you actually have to listen to him. And ignorance is bliss in that, that department. Because if you're not accountable to anyone, you can sort of act in whatever way you want. But once you actually devote yourself to trying to listen to God, you almost have to take it seriously. What has been your experience in building a relationship with God? How would you do it differently? I wish I had recognized the importance of listening to God sooner. I wish that I realized that it's all God and not me at all. It's not anything that I can do. It's only God. 
I wish that I'd been able to really make it a priority in my my life much sooner because with God comes so much self-discovery and so much wisdom that you didn't think you ever had before and for a really long time I just I didn't really I didn't I didn't listen to him I didn't think about it because when you actually have to think about like I said being accountable to God it's scary if you're not accountable to anyone much less the like creator and most like lover of the universe then nothing really you can do whatever you want there you're not you don't have to worry about anything once you actually say okay god i'm putting myself and i'm devoting myself to you i actually wish that i've been able to take that more seriously because it's so easy to say that but the truth is like do you actually mean it and i cannot tell you how many times i've devoted and redevoted myself to god and every single time I have to go back to God and say, I messed up big time, so big time. Every time I have to do that, I always think, am I actually taking this seriously? Because it's so easy, because we hear every day, God is so forgiving, he loves you, and which all that is true. But I don't think about how God feels about me running back to him, like back in Hosea, running back to him and running back to him and saying, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And he's like, okay, I love you so much. It's totally fine. And then just going out and doing the same thing ever again. Always. I think about that and I say, am I taking this seriously? And God loves me and I'm, I'm really working right now to make it so I'm, I'm really taking it seriously. But it's hard to take it seriously sometimes. To actually see that promise to God of, okay, God, I'm listening to you. This is, this is it. This, our relationship is the most important thing. It's so easy to say that, but not actually mean it. It's so easy to just say that, but let it slide. It's, it's almost disingenuous, I think, to God. I cannot tell you how many times I've had that experience. Goes back to feeling you know, because emotions are super powerful, but they're also super, they, they lie all the time, you know, and it's so easy that when we're in this hyper emotional state to, to vote our, to devote ourselves to God, because we're so connected. But then once that emotional state wears off, what then? When things are mundane, are we actually still on fire for God? And for me, I am constantly disappointed in myself because I find in the highs, I'm so on fire for God, but then once I come off the peak of the mountain, I start to fall away, which is all a part of life, but oftentimes I see it as like, listen, you've, you've had this cycle so many times, and you are on this emotional just roll, like roller coaster. I'm so happy. I'm so into God right now, but then once that fall off, nothing's changed. You're just the same person as you were back then. You have the exact same mindset and focus as you did back then, except this time there was a tiny moment in your life where you gave it to God. That is not something that I, I'm proud of. I find it really gross because it's almost like God is like our go back to them, you know, go back to God and it's fine. He's your run to guy. You know, once you get broken up with by the world, then you, you run to God. 
and then the world calls you back the literal next day and then you're back with your the world and god is like what about me do we even have anything and that's why people don't like being that run back to guy but god is constantly that run back to guy and he just sticks with it and then you know you have to think well who actually does love me and it's obviously god i don't know it it, it all has to do with spiritual maturity and everyone is working with it like you know but to, to really take it seriously taking obedience seriously because if like the most powerful person in the world with the most sway and whatever told you to like set the table you'd probably set the table even if you know you didn't like them or whatever you would probably still set the table because out of respect and when god tells you to do things it's so much more impactful this thing that god is telling you to do will make your life better infinitely better and it's coming from the 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 being who loves you more than anything else in the whole world, every in the whole universe. And would you actually, are you actually going to do it? Because I find that when, you know, God is actually telling me to do stuff, if I'm not taking him seriously, if I just hear that as like, well, you know, that's a good idea, but I'm not really into it or whatever. We're turning down, setting the table for like the being in the universe who demands the most respect and to just take God seriously. That's such a revolutionary thing to actually look at God and say, oh my goodness, it's God. <laughs> like, that's amazing to see him as this enormous, great being who just emanates glory. Take him seriously. But I just never did. And by not taking God seriously, I made bad decisions because I didn't listen to him. I would make bad decisions and I would make them over and over and over again because I find myself going on emotional highs, loving God, wow, this is the best. And then like once it's gone, I'm gone. And God is left in the dust. Wait a second. You're, you, you were, you were just, that, that wasn't real. It makes me sad because God is so real with me and I've been so fake to him for so long and I probably will in some ways continue to disappoint him. Now he loves me, he will always love me and that keeps me coming back. But to think about it, it, it makes you sad and it changes your perspective of the relationship that you have with God. As you spoke about Paul and his experience of joy in the middle of hardship, the story seemed to impact you deeply and emotionally. Tell us about why this story affects you so much. The whole prospect of salvation has always affected me emotionally. There was a point in my relationship with God where I was so alone with myself. You know, I was so separated from God where I actually had to look over my heart. I had to look at it and I had to say, well, what is my deepest desire? I came up with my deepest desire that night when I was so alone and so completely like disconnected from God. And I said, well, my deepest desire one day is to give like, it's like to give God a hug. 
Like, that's my deepest desire. And for me, like, that's when my life started to get on the, like, right trajectory. I still messed up big time, but that was when I really decided, like, okay, it's God time now. You know, I've messed around, but now I have to, I have to recommit. And this, it, this time it has to be for real. That's, the, the story of Paul has always impacted me. I, I remember um, we were even just watching like an animated, like the Ness videos of Paul. Hearing that verse of Second Timothy always hits harder after watching the whole story of Paul. And it was funny because in that video, it was that whole, like it was consistently repeated, I have kept the faith. I fought the good fight, ran the good race, have kept the faith over and over and over. And then when you hear it at the end where Paul has sacrificed so much, like let go of so much, he's like at peace. And for me, that overwhelming peace that Paul experienced is like, it's just, it's just so, it's just the picture of God that is so beautiful that this man who started out his his mission to destroy people to destroy homes lives families all for the sake of his own ambitions you know to where he's given up everything to follow Christ he didn't feel regret at the end he didn't feel anger he didn't say a sermon he just said i I've done what I need to do. So now I can be, be at peace because I've done what God wants me to do. He knows that I love him. And that means that one day we're going to hang out sometime. And that always has affected me. Just like that peace. And that's been something I aspire to to find in God, which I've found it before. That same night that I said, my deepest desire, once I spoke my deepest desire about being with God, that's when I realized how peaceful it is, you know? And to have that peace at the end of all things, when it's everything is so dark and gloomy, and to most opinions of your life, you've made nothing for yourself to come to that point and say I kept the faith I didn't fall short in my running I never stopped running I never stopped fighting I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and now I'm about to die because I pushed so hard I'm gonna collapse but I crossed the finish line that's so powerful and that's something I've always found to be so powerful. And that's, that's why it impacts me so emotionally. But it's happy. It can either be sad because you feel so alone from God, or it can be this just joyous occasion where you realize how great is the God that you serve. And that crown of righteousness, he, Paul knew, Paul knew that he was gonna get that crown of righteousness because he loved God so much. He loved him so much. And it wasn't even a question. He was like, I'm gonna be with God someday. 
and that right there is something it's it's something that overwhelms any negative feeling every every like painful thing that he experienced he knew all of this doesn't matter it's god that matters and it's that day that i get to be with him that matters and the fact that he was able to single that out as the only important thing in his life that's so powerful to me any any time any place in my spiritual relationship with god that always brings me back Thank you for joining us today, Amanda. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the MGC podcast. You know, this is one of those episodes where I am just blown away by the wisdom that Amanda shared you know because often when young people speak or when they do something we often approach it the way we do an eighth grade band concert we don't expect it to be profound we don't expect it to be deep we're just happy that a young person is doing it But again and again, what the young people are showing us is that they have such wisdom, just as much as us who have more life experience. And if we just listen to them and we pay attention, we can hear God speaking through them. Well, my friends, if you haven't done so yet, leave us a review on iTunes or follow us at MGC underscore podcast. It really helps us and it helps others find us. Until next time, may the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. How do you feel? after like about your sermon how do you think it went it went i i i think it went really really well um the thing that i was really afraid of is i didn't want like because i always got emotional every time i practiced the song the the sermon i got so emotional i didn't want that to like really get in the way of the the message because the message is so powerful even without like tears but somehow like as humans were just kind of made to feel other people. And I didn't want all the, I didn't want it to be an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. It just sort of happened that way. I wanted it to be a really deeply spiritual thing where people could look back and say, okay, God talked, like spoke to my heart, you know, and not just, wow, that was, that really like, you know, broke my heart or whatever, you know, cause there's a lot of, it's so easy to just, be touched by like this really really great sermon but then you don't actually like apply it to your life because you're so much more focused on the emotions than actually living it out but I think I think that it while it touched people's emotions I think God actually was working through and really making it so that people took a step back Mm -hmm. we're gonna come actually come back to